This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this young lady back. Her name is Cherise Trump. She's the executive director of uh, Speech First, speechfirst.org. Cherise, how are you? Good to see you again. Great. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Always have to ask this question. Are you related? No relation. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get emails on it. Is she related to Trump? What's the story with that? Um, Really good to have you back. And I asked you to do this last time, and hopefully it'll drive a lot of people to your website. Tell me again exactly what Speech First is. Yeah, so we're a nonprofit membership organization. Anyone can sign up to become a member. Uh, Basically, we litigate on behalf of our student members against universities that violate their free speech rights. And we're looking at, you know, finding areas on universities and looking for students who are willing to come to us and tell us what's going on on their campus. And then we step in and defend their rights, not only in the legal avenues, but also, you know, we come in, we advocate for policy change and we educate lawmakers. Additionally, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also go and speak on campuses and educate students on their legal rights so they know when it's time for to step up and, and say something against the university. Uh, so that's really what our ultimate goal is, is just to defend students' free speech rights on campus. You can go to our website, speechfirst.org, to learn more about the issues that we cover. Uh, you can also press donate. Uh, it's always wonderful to have supporters out there. I get the feeling that, that there's always been this push on the fringe to indoctrinate students when they get to college. We're going to make you think the way that we want you to think and have a more liberal, more progressive future, maybe even socialist, whatever. But I thought it was always fringe. When did it become like 12 to 1 liberal to conservative professors where the, the push as soon as you walk on, onto campus is you're going to get like-minded with us? Is that a recent thing? Uh, it is relatively recent in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's always, you know, the university campuses have always leaned to left. Uh, they've always been a slightly more liberal institutions. Uh, and that, you know, could be liberal, small L. Sometimes it's liberal, big L. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always been a more progressive institution. And that's just by the nature of who chooses to teach and who chooses to to attend the, the this programs at the universities. However, they have also always traditionally taught to be open-minded, to uh, engage in open discourse and debate, to challenge yourself intellectually and to challenge your peers and to push back on one another. Those latter concepts have essentially been lost within the last decade or so. Uh, And even more recently, we've seen a complete rejection of the concepts of free speech and open debate and discourse and a characterization of those concepts that makes them almost evil in a way that everything in in that category equates to hate speech. So now you can't even talk about free speech without people accusing you of being bigoted or hateful. Wasn't it Berkeley 50 years ago that was actually, they were the ones pushing for free speech? And that's the, the most liberal bastion on the planet now. How did the big switch happen? Did it happen or was it were they only pushing for free speech because they wanted liberal speech? Nobody else should have been speaking or was Berkeley truly the bastion of free speech back then? 
I think there was a lot of truth in the efforts back then. However, I, I do think you're right in saying essentially it's almost as if they weren't really prepared to the, to think of free speech as something that would encompass opposing ideas. And maybe as they continue to see that becoming more of an issue, that was something they decided to push back on, those kind of initial bastions of free speech. However, I think also what has really been happening here is because of these, you know, decades ago, these attempts to implement these far left progressive agendas and political ideas into the academy have been growing and those efforts have been growing. So to us right now today, it may feel like this big switch that happened, but really it was a gradual process that has happened over generations in the university system, in the academy, and how we by how we conduct our research, what kind of peer review process we have. Everything has been slowly like usurped over time, essentially. Uh, all of these original concepts and foundational principles uh, have been usurped over time with and replaced with what is now referred to as woke ideology, which is simply defined as Marxist ideology, which is looking at the world through the lens. Uh, everyone is an oppressor or being oppressed, and you can only see each other in those two categories. It's Sharice Trump. Uh, go to exec- actually go to speechfirst.org. She is the executive director of Speech First. Speechfirst.org. Didn't they get the memo, Sharice, that the First Amendment <laughs> is only there for opposing speech? If we all agreed, there would be no ne- there would be no need for the First Amendment. It's only there so that people can say things that you you might not like. I'm sure they didn't get the memo because they probably haven't read it, to be completely honest. When I go on campuses to speak to students and even faculty and administrators in some cases, those who choose to attend the events that I speak at, a lot of the times, most of the people in the room have not even read the entire constitution or even looked at it at all. And I ask students oftentimes how to raise their hands. How many of you understand the free speech laws of this country, understand its significance, why we are unique compared to other countries in the world, and actually have read the laws themselves and looked at the constitution? Very few people, if any at all, have ever read the Constitution or even understand the concepts I just laid out. And one thing I always have to explain to students is we are unique in our and how liberal, small l liberal we are with our with our free speech laws. Actually, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled time time again, even as recently as 2019, unanimously that there is no hate speech or offensive speech exception to the First Amendment. And that is on for a reason. It is because you cannot have laws that rely on overbroad or subjective or vague definitions of terminology. And when we're talking about things like hate speech or offensive speech, almost all of that falls into the category of subjective concepts, like subjective ideas. You can't, one thing that may be hateful to me is maybe it's not hateful to anyone else. So having laws existing around this concept is what a lot of other countries in the world try to attempt. And it ends up ultimately just completely shutting down the the actual principles of free speech in those countries. Have you seen the law in Michigan that recently got passed? Oh, was this the one outlawing the DEI? Uh, no, it, it's it, actually a law that, that uh, it uh, makes hate crimes. There's more more yeah. um, um, punishment. There's more ability to be broader when uh, when uh, arresting somebody or, or claiming a hate crime. And in the actual bill that just passed, they talk about threatening somebody. They talk about um, mm-hmm. approaching somebody. It, it's not really even a physical touching, which would be a hate act, I guess. It's if I perceive what you said about me to be hateful, violent, or threatening, you could be in, like literally talk radio could go away in Michigan if this if wow. this were, were to, to be sustained. So obviously you just said this about the Supreme Court. Should a law like this get to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court would say they're allowed to say that. They're not threatening you. They're just saying things. Um, where, where did, when did we start thinking that speech was violence? When did that happen? Is that recent too? 
Yeah, that's something that's pretty recent. Uh, on the law that you're referring to, this is um, based on, I haven't read it directly, but based on what you've said, it sounds really, really similar to what I've seen on college campuses. It's and crazy it's broad. So, it's extremely right, broad. Right, exactly. This is why it's so important to recognize the fact that what happens on campus does not stay on campus. Right. And a lot of the stuff that we are seeing come into society through, whether it be through the corporate world, through pharmaceutical companies, through tech companies, all of that started, these concepts all began on the college campus and they were you know, tested out there first and to see who would go along with them, who would push back. And then they eventually spread on um, into the actual policy world. And so, so yeah, policies like this exist all over college campuses right now. Basically anything that's considered offensive speech, unwanted speech, stereotyping, joking, uh, those are reportable offenses on many college campuses across the country. And that's oftentimes what our lawsuits address. Now, keep in mind, states and college campus policies do not supersede the constitution. Right. So at the end of the day, they there's still to. constitution protections in this country. They will try to, and this is why we have the Constitution. It's supposed to transcend time and protect us in all of these moments where someone will try to come in, come in and usurp power and, and essentially have you know these totalitarian policies. And that is something that it's, it's just, again, constantly reminding ourselves that the Constitution is there for a reason. And as much as these states or institutions may attempt to uh, you know make us forget that the Constitution is there to protect our rights, it's important that we do stand up and push back and essentially sue these institutions that try to try to violate our rights. She's the executive director at Speech First, speechfirst.org. It's Sharice Trump. I've got a daughter from China. She clearly looks Chinese. So if somebody walked up to her and said, where are you from? Some of these very weak-kneed college students today would think that's a microaggression. Why are you assuming I'm from somewhere else? Now, my daughter would answer Texas. And, you know, there would be no qualms with saying, yeah, but I'm Chinese or whatever. Or, or if I were if I were at an event and it said Joe Pagliarulo on my name tag and somebody said, oh, you're Italian, you like spaghetti, that would be a microaggression too. That's how stupid it is, it is right. isn't it? Now, what are they doing on campuses? Actually, what is the Biden administration doing with our money when it comes to so-called mm-hmm. microaggressions, which I think is just a made up word? Yes. So it is it is a made up concept essentially to create policies around uh, what we were just talking about with offensive speech or anything that anyone could find even remotely off putting. The attempt here is to pit people against each other. At the end of the day, that's ultimately what it's to do. It's to make everyone, again, see each other as an oppressor or an enemy, um, someone who's offending them, to put people in the victimhood mentality. And this is so the institutions in in charge and with power can actually kind of step in, continue to use these types of policies as cudgels to tamp down on dissenting viewpoints. And what the Biden administration is doing here in this case of what you're referring to is giving millions of dollars in grant money to medical schools and research institutions at universities to research the effects of microaggressions on various identity um, groups, various, you know, following into the footsteps of identity politics. I think the one that I read about recently in an article was um, at Miami, is the University of Miami, to research the effects of microaggressions on black cisgender queer women who have HIV. So well, that's a big group. That's a huge group, isn't it? <laughs> right. Instead, I know, right? Point zero 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 one, maybe. I mean, exactly. we're spending millions? 
Exactly. And this, instead of spending millions and millions of dollars on maybe trying to cure things like cancer or, you know, maybe ultimately put a stop to the spread of HIV, yes. instead, we're going to be focusing on how those specific groups, it, these very, very, very specific groups, whittled down all the way to like five different descriptive words, uh, it, are going to feel about themselves um, when they when they have this disease. And again, this is millions of dollars being dedicated by the Biden administration to university research at this level. And it just goes to show one, what the priorities are here. Um, look, we, we are not ahead on research really anymore on, on a lot of levels. We are not ahead on especially things in the STEM fields when it comes to technology, AI, quantum physics, and medical research and pharmaceutical research. We are far behind the curve of where we should be uh, with, with the amount of money that we have for these types of things. And the fact that we're going to pretend as if there's really no urgency that we can to the point where we can just daddle and pay for you know, pay for things that really have no effect on the curing of these diseases um, will ultimately uh, put us in a position where we're going to far even further behind, especially some of the countries that we see as pretty threatening and competitive, right? Which is like, we're talking about China here. Right. They're very far ahead of the curve compared to us on mathematics and quantum physics and AI. And we are not dedicating the right amount of resources to pursue these fields on college campuses. Instead, we're focusing on putting all the STEM students through de mandated DEI courses so so they can feel hypersensitive and be concerned about their identities and their race and their gender and whatever, instead of actually thinking about maybe developing our capabilities on AI. So this is a huge concern, uh, the lack of resources that are going to the appropriate measures. If we peel it back as far as we can, it really is what you said, right? It's either you're in the oppressed group or you're one of the oppressors. The oppressors are bad. Mm -hmm. The oppressed are good. The good versus bad, me versus them, neighbor versus neighbor, wealth gap. I mean, whatever, race gap, whatever we want to say. There is a way, this is another way for the government just to separate us. They can't really right. believe that asking me if I like spaghetti is, is a problem. They can't really believe asking my daughter, where are you from? Because she clearly looks Chinese or looks Asian. That really, it's not really a problem. But if they make us feel as though, well, we are the victim and victims will be taken care of, then they mm -hmm. win, right? Yeah, certainly. And and that's the more innocent play out version. Honestly, a lot of people do want to be victims because they see the benefit and privileges attached to becoming a victim these days. So they will look for opportunities to be offended by everything that you say, which are these concepts of microaggressions once again. And again, like you mentioned, how the universities define microaggressions, there is no clear definition of microaggression. I go around these campuses all the time and ask students, can you please tell me what a microaggression is? And they'll just kind of smile and nod. They don't know either, but they know <laughs> so if stupid. one's committed. Yeah, right. and a lot of times they'll they'll even tell me, oh, you don't know that you're even, there may be times when you don't even know you're committing a microaggression. Universities will try to define it by saying it could be as simple, like you mentioned earlier, as asking someone where they are from or why they're studying a specific field right. of study. And this is like, you can't even have conversations. Students are just walking around on eggshells because they don't even know what they can say or what they can get away with. In high schools right now, um, I just read an article about high school debates. And high school, there's a lot of high schools that have rules in their debate processes right now that say if you use a microaggression while debating you will lose the argument that they automatically have you as a, lo at a loss and, 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 now, if you, and if you say cool i'll follow the rules what's a microaggression so i don't do it they can't answer that right Again, this is why you can't have rules and laws based on something that is so ill-defined. You can't just go around telling everyone that they're not allowed to do. Let's just say, for example, 
you it is illegal in this country to do shmish shmish shmish. Yes. Right? Yes, it how is. Does, by the way. How do people <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but how can you know if you're breaking the law if you have literally I no idea what shmish 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 actually yeah, means? Right. <laughs> no, no, you're you're a thousand percent right. It's like saying let's go play baseball and somebody says, Well, I've never played before, how do we play? And I just say, Don't worry about it. Just just go out in the field and just run around some. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. We are actually very good at following rules once we know what they are, which is probably, exactly. and if I'm get, get what you're laying down, they purposely aren't telling us what the rules are so they can just define it as they go. Right, exactly. And control us the right. entire time. And, and if we don't talk yeah. to each other, then we'll hate each other. If we do talk to each other, guess what? We find out we agree on 80% of everything. And, and they don't want right. that because then it would be us versus them. Right. The divisiveness, like you said, it needs to be, it cannot be us versus them. The divisiveness needs to be, is imperative to the ultimate goal of a lot of these uh, very politically charged, kind of radicalized, far left folks. They really, and this is why you see not just the things like microaggressions and trying to control speech and trying to make, put people in victimhood categories, but they are, they, they, they emphasize and amplify that from the beginning of when students stop on campus through their freshman orientation programs, all the way through graduation. You see graduation programs now that are completely segregated where they allow, you know, the goal here is again to separate everyone because if you're divided that you can't stand up together for something like the principles that this country was founded on. It's another entire topic for the, for the next time we speak, <laughs> but holy mackerel, MLK died to make sure yeah. that segregation went away and that everybody was treated equally or got equal, uh, got equal opportunity in the country. We, we have on purpose segregated ourselves again. And, and the government's right. laughing. They're like, wow, I can't believe we pulled this off. It is uh, executive director of uh, Speech First, Sharice Trump. Go to speechfirst.org. Really appreciate you coming on. Let's do this again soon. Always happy to. Thanks, okay. Joe. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pegg Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's happening, people? We appreciate Cherise coming on. What? What's the matter? No. Well, you do it for the people then. No, I'm telling you not to do it for the people either. Rude. All right, uh, lots going on on a Motown Monday. We've got uh, Cray News with K on a Monday next hour. Make sure you stick around for that. We, we get into the writer's strike, and is that going to affect... Your favorite show. Carrie, is there a favorite show that has writers that, that you'll miss if it goes mm, away? No. <laughs> Do you no. watch anything on the regular? That's no? so funny. Me and Paula were just talking about this. No, I really don't. Nope. Not even like a Netflix show? Nothing? Uh, no, not right now. No. no. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-mm. 
No, it won't affect me. So. Oh yeah, I mean, it probably won't me either. I I normally will watch more reality stuff, and the reality stuff will it be affected? I asked Kay about that uh, coming up. Uh, you also have uh, Meghan Markle and Harry complaining, and I guess uh, they they gave her big bucks to do a podcast on Spotify. Yeah, and it took a dump. Well, why? What? Why? What made you think she could do a podcast on Spotify? You know what I mean? Hmm. It's like everybody thinks they can do what you and I do now. Press I know, a button, you start it's talking. So it's it's so easy. It's so easy. I've had 35 years to, to get anywhere. Face. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy. I, I get emails all the time. Hey, what equipment do I need to do a podcast? I don't know. <laughs> You're talking to your phone. I don't know what to tell you. You can't. And, and then they'll say, well, well, how much did you pay for your equipment? I'm like, $40,000. Uh, well, ah, oh, okay. I, I mean, well, well, don't ask me. (laughs) I know. And listen, there's room for everybody. Don't get me wrong, but she has shown nothing in her work history that she could be a good podcast person. That's true. So they gave her $20 million to fail. I don't get it. Yeah. Yep. All right. 888-941-PAGS. 888-941-7247. JoePags.com. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pags Show. 